Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. everybody you know mink i'm just here to make sure you have guests here in the studio and i'll be exiting in a matter of seconds but i just wanted to you know give them a little insight on how this program runs you know (laughs) most people would probably start to get freaked out over the fact that as you were in the final minutes of your top of the hour update there I was, moving chairs around in here, reorganizing in the studio. But as I've always said, Mink, it's radio. It's talking. This isn't brain surgery. But but you did a good job rearranging everything to make the guests be very comfortable. You, you went listen, down to the lobby and, listen, and picked them up. And it's like, it's like we're, we're welcoming people into our home, Mink. That's right. Look at it that way. Oh, that's right. nice. There we go. The right. Touching. <laughs> touching thought. John Minko is here to keep us up to date on things in the sporting world and also um, just to share some of his witticism with us on uh, Sunday mornings. And good morning, everybody. This is Bob Solter on our program today. We have a um, very special um, dedication of the show today to talking about the topic of pancreatic cancer. Now, we've touched upon this topic in the past, and I'm pleased to say that We have a number of guests who are joining us in the course of discussion on the program today uh, because Purple Stride is part of what we're going to be talking about and talking about uh, Purple Stride New York because this is a very timely discussion. Here we are the first Sunday in uh, April. Two guests are in studio this uh, first portion of our program, and I'm pleased to uh, welcome them both with us. Uh, Juliana Bianchini. I hope I got that right. Yep, that's Yay. correct. Yay, I've been practicing this for two hours. Yippee, I'm... I got one right. Okay, I really have been. You know, I think I've had way too much coffee. <laughs> way too much coffee. Uh, Juliana is media chair of the New York City affiliate of the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And Alice Chung is with us. Alice is affiliate chair of the New York City affiliate of Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Nice to have both of you, of you join us. Welcome to our program. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I guess in beginning this discussion, and we'll get into um, each of your stories because your lives have been uh, touched by uh, pancreatic cancer with the family member in each of your cases. But a little bit of background, first of all, because there are people who are listening to our discussion today who basically um, may be completely unaware of what pancreatic cancer is. Who would like to take that question first of all, I guess? Sure, I'm happy to. Alice? Um 
Pancreatic cancer is actually one of the most devastatingly aggressive cancers. Um, it's the third leading cause of cancer death in the United States, and we're on track to becoming the second leading cause by 2020. Um, this year alone, there will be 56,000 Americans who are diagnosed. The five-year survival rate um, is only 9%. While I've been with PanCan, I've seen it rise uh, from 6% to 9%, but 9% is still so low. Mm. Um, and it's notoriously difficult to diagnose in early stages, which makes all of the difference. By the time that it's diagnosed at stage four, the survival rate for five years goes down to 1%. So it's a very, very aggressive cancer, very difficult to diagnose um, in early stages, at which usually makes all the difference. So, I mean, it's a it's one of the most devastating cancers and um, one that we're just trying to spread awareness about because early detection makes all of the difference in this case. Are you receiving or um, realizing, um, I guess, greater awareness or acknowledgement even of what pancreatic cancer is when you go to speak about this to people? Um, a lot of people don't tend to know what pancreatic cancer is. And sadly, you know, there have been many kind of public figures, especially mm. lately, who mm -hmm. have been diagnosed and have passed from the disease. And that's usually when we tend to get more awareness around the the cancer and even in the last few years, I've had so many friends who've been affected personally by it. So it's it's definitely there. And it's a cancer that's very prevalent. Um, the pancreas is very small. It's located um, behind the stomach, in front of the spine. And it's responsible for producing the digestive enzymes that give you energy and regulate your blood sugar. So it's, it's very... It affects so many different parts of your body and your functions. So um, when I tell people about pancreatic cancer, they usually have no idea about it until they're kind of proactively looking for um, information about it. And that's usually because they've already been affected in some way by it. Mm. In your role, I mentioned you're in the position of affiliate chair of the New York City affiliate of PanCan. Um, what exactly does that involve? So I actually just came on as affiliate chair last month. Mm -hmm. So I'm very pleased to be working with this amazing team. Uh, but I did get involved with PanCan back in 2012. Uh, my dad was diagnosed early 2011 um, at stage four. So surgery wasn't an option for him. Um, his prognosis at that time was one year. Mm. Uh, but he was very, very, he fought very hard and he went two years and he passed in August of 2012. Mm. So for me, um, I saw him kind of go through all of the treatments that were available and sadly, you know, he, he didn't make it, but I became involved with PanCan after looking for resources online, um, and it's a very scary thing because the first thing you do is kind of Google what pancreatic cancer is and everything you read is is very dismal. So um, 
I became involved after looking for resources in New York City area, and I found PanCan online, and uh, they were actually having their Purple Stride in 2012, which I wasn't able to join, um, but after my dad passed, I was able to join the, the my first Purple Stride in 2013, and after that, I've been every single year. Um, and I found this organization to be such a great resource and such a support for me. Their events have been such a beautiful way for me to honor my dad. And over the years, I've become a little more involved. And this year, I have been at a place in my career and in work, which has allowed me to kind of take on a larger role. So I was thrilled to be able to take on this role. What was What did your dad know about pancreatic cancer at the time that he was diagnosed? He knew nothing. Okay. Um, that seems to be a, a yes. kind of a familiar theme that people will say. Yeah. I think because it's kind of an obscure part of the body. No one really knows where the pancreas is located or what it does. And the symptoms are just so vague. There aren't a set number of symptoms that apply to anyone who's mm -hmm. diagnosed. Um, so he virtually knew nothing about it. And he was at the age where, you know, he doesn't really, he didn't really Google things and look things up. So everything we were told were through the doctors and the hospitals. Mm. And uh, Juliana, in your role as media chair with the New York City affiliate, what is that, I guess, what does that really encompass? Um, I mean, so I take care of any kind of media outreach uh, to kind of promote not just Purple Stride in New York City, but also just the overall uh, PanCan mission. Um, so we have multiple different events. We have Purple Stride. We also do Purple Light, which is in the fall for New York City. And then just our overall mission, I think, and our outreach. So I kind of go out and about and try to reach out to whether it's um, TV or radio or any kind of newspaper or online um, news that we can kind of just promote uh, and just really kind of um, reach out to anybody who has either been affected to about it or needs more information or also just general just raising aware awareness, I think. Okay. Now you, in your case, your dad uh, passed, it was in 2017? Is that yeah. Right? Okay. I'm, for me, it's fairly recent. Mm -hmm. I haven't been with PanCan for that long. Um, I've My dad was diagnosed in March of 2017, uh, and I had just moved to uh, the U.S. and New York City, and my dad lived in Florida, um, and he passed away, I believe, five months later. So it was quite, it was really brutal and real, very fast. Uh, and being his only child, so-called, but, uh, and as he wasn't remarried, I was also his caregiver. So, um, it was the whole process of moving down there and uh, just taking care of him and just the whole, as Alice said, the whole decline, I think is very, very brutal. Mm. And that's gotta be a, a tough because you're in that caretaker role, which is kind of a reversal from, you know parents do for their children. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's just for me, a lot of my friends say, my gosh, how did you do it? Because I mean, you know, it's a hands-on role. It's there. No, you don't ask yourself any questions. And mm -hmm. I think that's 
what I tell my friends is for me, it came so naturally. I mean, my father took care of me for 25 years and it just felt so normal for me to kind of just uh, do the same thing. Mm. That's the voice of Juliana Bianchini. Um, she is media chair of the New York City affiliate of PanCan, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Alice Chung is affiliate chair of the New York City affiliate of PanCan. They are both in studio with us this first hour of our program on the fan this Sunday morning. Now, we've mentioned um, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. We'll be talking more about uh, Purple Stride in a couple moments here, but Contact information. How can people who are listening to us find out more about PanCan? Um, I mean, for for me, what I did is I Googled it. I thought that was just the the best resource to do so. Um, I mean, that's how I would say how to just reach out to PanCan. I don't know if Alice has any other um, kind of ideas, but... Yeah, of course. Um, so we have our PanCan website, which is www.pancan.org. Um, and that is our nationwide website, which, you know, we have all of our nationwide affiliates that you can find on there. And the links are all on there as well. In terms of our Purple Stride event that's coming up, um, that is presented by Northwell Health, Cent- uh, Health Cancer Institute, Pancre- Pancreas Disease Center this year. And you can register at purplestride.org slash NYC. Okay. I want to talk more about that. We're going to take a pause in our discussion with the two of you. Come back and talk more here on The Fan. I have some news to share with all of you, and it's in keeping with my longtime policy of being open and transparent with our Jeopardy fan base. I also wanted to prevent you from reading or hearing some overblown or inaccurate reports regarding my health. So therefore, I wanted to be the one to pass along this information. Now, just like 50,000 other people in the United States each year, This week, I was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Now, normally, the prognosis for this is not very encouraging, but I'm going to fight this, and I'm going to keep working, and with the love and support of my family and friends, and with the help of your prayers also, I plan to beat the low survival rate statistics for this disease. Truth told, I have to, because under the terms of my contract, I have to host Jeopardy for three more years. So help me. Keep the faith, and we'll win. We'll get it done. It is Sunday morning on The Fan. That is uh, the voice of Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy, and uh, his announcements um, and taking the proactive approach in announcing that he had been diagnosed with um, pancreatic cancer. And earlier in our discussion, and we're joined in studio by two guests uh, from the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, Alice Chung, who is affiliate chair of the New York City affiliate, Juliana Bianchini, who is media chair of the New York City affiliate. Earlier in our discussion, uh, Alice, you had referred to the fact that this has, this disease has affected some people of note, and he was one of the people that I thought of immediately. When something like Alex Trebek's announcements happens, what does that do for 
It almost seems silly of me to ask, but I'm going to ask. What does that do for awareness even of pancreatic cancer? Of course, when it's a public figure, um, it, it really does bring a lot more awareness around the issue and the disease. Um, unfortunately, most people have no awareness at all until they're personally affected. Mm. So something like this uh, is such terrible news um, when it's someone who's so much in the public eye. It really does help bring awareness around the issue and also um, a little more action, I think. Uh, we do tend to get a lot more questions about it, mm-hmm. uh, which is very helpful in spreading awareness. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good thing to have yes. people even talking yes. about pancreatic cancer. Okay. It's, yeah. it's just really unfortunate that it has to be in these, in these circumstances. Purple Stride. Um, tell us about the event, what this is like, um, and let's do a little bit of a promotion for what's taking place next weekend. Sure. So on next Saturday, uh, April 13th, in um, Prospect Park, Brooklyn, we have our annual event, Purple Stride, New York City. And this year it's presented by Northwell Health Center, um, their Health Cancer Institute Pancreas Disease Center. And we have our opening ceremonies at 9.15 a.m. Um, we have Erin Willett, who was a semifinalist for The Voice, uh, she unfortunately lost her father in 20, 2011, and she'll be performing um, and dedicating a song that she wrote uh, during opening ceremonies, and she'll also be performing with her trio band um, during our closing events as well. So our walk is a 5K. Um, we have so many people coming out, and it's going to be a beautiful day. Uh, we just kind of band together. It's a wonderful day for our community to come together, honor those that we've lost, uh, honor those, and celebrate those who are currently fighting, um, and to really celebrate those who have survived as well. What does it mean, I guess, to family members of somebody who's been diagnosed to have other people who are going through a similar situation or have gone through it come together. I mean, is it like a, a giant support network or just what? It really is. Um, I found that's kind of how I got involved with PanCan. I was really looking for a community and just information. And I found a family who unfortunately people go through this, awful, awful process. Um, the prognosis is not good. It's moved so quickly and the toll it takes on families and caregivers and friends, it's, it's really horrible. So unfortunately, you know, the circumstances are awful, but the bond that it creates and the understanding it kind of takes to you know, know what someone goes through in these circumstances is, I think, very bonding and it's a great support system. So an event like this is so cathartic and just a beautiful way to honor and kind of come together as a community. Juliana, what had Purple Stride meant for you? Um, definitely a strong community, like Alice said. Um I uh, am not from here, so my dad was kind of my main family, and so losing him um, was a, was very difficult for me. So I was kind of in search of just having this community that could understand 
not only just what it was losing a parent at a young age, quote unquote, but also just understanding what I went through as a caregiver as well. Um, And I think going through different bereavement groups, that was great. Um, But it's really when I started getting involved with PanCan that I really found kind of a family Um, and people actually went through what I went through. So it was very comforting. And I just felt like I was home. So the atmosphere, take us through what this will be like next Saturday. Um, This will be my, I believe, sixth Purple Stride. Um, Every year it's always very different, but it ranges from, you know, it's very sad for some people because they've very recently lost someone. Mm, mm. Um, We've had a lot of inquiries come in just you know, a couple of weeks ago, how can I get involved? And they're not aware of Purple Stride, so they'll be attending for their first time. And they've lost people as recently as just, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, And they're just looking for a way to, I guess, you know, express their loss and kind of be able to experience their grief. So it ranges from that to people who are celebrating those who are are currently fighting um, to encourage those, give hope, um, to really inspire. So it's it's a beautiful event. It's kind of for everyone. Um, and I think overall, it's just a really inspiring, beautiful day. And when you look at an event like this in terms of um, the awareness that it can raise is one thing, but what can it do in terms of fundraising? So this is our largest event of the year in our New York City affiliate. Um, Fundraising is a very large part of what we are trying to do. Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, uh, we actually fight pancreatic cancer on all fronts. So we raise funds for clinical research. Uh, We, you know, we start clinical initiatives, patient services and advocacy. So we kind of attack it from as many fronts as we can. So fundraising for us is very important. Uh, It's one of, pancreatic cancer is one of the least funded, government funded cancers out there. So that's always amazed me. I mean, this is, it's, this is not a disease that just started yesterday. No, it's not at all. And I mean, just this year, there's 56,000 Americans that are going to be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. That's enormous. That's, way too much it should definitely there should be something done and earlier in this discussion i believe it was alice who'd mentioned the fact that it's i guess it's kind of a difficult disease to diagnose yeah it is notoriously difficult to diagnose at an early stage just Mm. because the symptoms are so vague um and by the time i think most people are diagnosed it's so late stage that the prognosis tends to be very short, um, and very, as Alex Trebek said, very you know discouraging. So it's it's very important to be diagnosed as early as possible. Um, the symptoms range, you know, from just digestive issues um, to jaundice, loss of appetite. I think there's also new onset of diabetes and things like that. So it's it, there's probably back pain as well at some point. So it's I mean it it could just be your smallest kind of indigestion or I don't really feel good for a week to, I mean, this is what happened with my dad. He just had 
sharp back pain and stomach pain and loss of appetite. And then next thing you know, he's brought into the ER and they say, oh, you have stage three pancreatic cancer. So That's pretty shocking to hear that. What were the symptoms that your dad was My dad uh, experienced kind of similar symptoms. He was having trouble eating, um, digestive issues, mm. and... It also might be a cultural thing, but he, you know, was not prone to going to the hospital every time that he didn't feel well. So he let it go and let it go and let it go. Isn't and that just the case with a lot of men when you get right down to I it? Think yeah. so. okay. I think it's, I think it's and, a generational thing. And you're looking, thing. you're looking at one right here. Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. And if it's not a symptom where, you know, it's excruciating until it gets really bad. Mm. So, you know, he just wasn't feeling well and generally... You know, he was losing weight, but for him, that honestly that was, was not yeah. not a horrible thing. Um, he did have diabetes, mm-hmm. uh, but they just didn't put the pieces together until it was unfortunately way too late. Yeah, and I think also what kind of really shocked me, so my father lived in Florida, and they had no idea how to diagnose him. So first it was his gallbladder, then it was maybe his liver, then it was maybe his kidneys. And then finally it was like, oh, you have a tumor on your pancreas that's the size of an orange. (laughs) Mm. So if that's the case, um, it sounds like the awareness about the disease also needs to extend not just to those of us who are lay people, but to the professionals as well, too. Yes, it applies to everyone. I think just being aware that this is there, Mm -hmm. and it's something that if you are experiencing any symptoms, it's really important to just go and try and figure out what it is. Um, I encourage going for your annuals every year. If you're ever feeling unwell, to go seek professional help. Uh, it's early detection is key in this in this case and in pretty much every every case you know you can't go wrong with early detection and the earlier you're diagnosed the better you have more options uh, surgery can be an option if you're diagnosed early enough so you know there's so many other alternatives and windows that are open to you the earlier you're diagnosed and when we're talking about pancreatic cancer um, awareness. Is there an effort also to try to, I guess, spread awareness of this? You know, we're in New York City. There's lots of different communities here, okay? People from various cultures, countries, etc. How do you reach them? That is part of our mission. So I think um, joining the New York City affiliate as chair this year, I I really would like to extend awareness as much as possible. New York City is such an untapped resource for us right now. And I think, you know, we're doing such a spectacular job and we have such an amazing team. Our entire team is based on volunteers. So this is very much a grassroots effort. Um, but every one of our volunteers is so passionate about this. Uh, We've all been touched in some way. Um, So for us, I think our mission this year uh, that I'm going to be focusing on is really spreading awareness, and we have such a great team for that. So I think 
Uh, Juliana will be a really huge part of that. Uh, we have a lot of great team members who have really great networks, and we're all from very diverse backgrounds, and we would like to reach as many people as possible. So this is part of our effort in doing that. Now, for Purple Stride next Saturday, do you advise people to pre-register? Yes, very much so. And how do they do that? So uh, we have our Purple Stride uh, website, and that is www.purplestride.org slash NYC. And um, you can register on there. We're happy to have volunteers register as well for the day of event. Um, and if you register, you can register a team as an individual. Um, you get your own fundraising page, which is such a great way to raise funds for this wonderful cause and for those who sign up before Wednesday, you can use the disc- discount code PSRADIO for 10% off your online registration fee. So we're extending that to your listeners, and we would love as many people to come out as possible. Okay, so that's next Saturday. It's in Prospect Park. Yes, yes. it's next Saturday, April 13th. Um, it starts at 9.15 um, in Prospect Park. Okay, we're going to talk more about the work of uh, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network with our guests this Sunday morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Sol. You know, you never know with John Minko exactly what you're going to get on Sunday mornings here. Never, never know. He's just gotten to be cantankerous in his old old age, too. We're in a discussion here about the topic of pancreatic cancer, and uh, we have a couple guests in studio this first hour of our program from the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Alice Chung is affiliate chair in the New York City affiliate. Juliana Bianchini is media chair of the New York City affiliate. And before we pause for our update and messages, um, you um, Alice had mentioned about uh, volunteers. And one of the things that I thought of, because, you know, we're talking about Purple Stride taking place next Saturday at Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Let me ask the open-ended question here. Volunteers, what do they do? Um, I think that's a great question. Volunteers are such an important part of uh, Purple Stride. So I used to be last year when I came on to uh, PanCan, I was the event day volunteer. And so what does that entail? That entails recruiting volunteers for day of um, because we do have participants with their teams doing the walk or the run, which is great. But we also need people behind the scenes. So helping us set up. I mean, we do have a large team, but just having more hands to help, not only just setting up, but also cleaning up after. It's very important for us to kind of leave the park, Prospect Park, as it was when we first found it. Um, So it's really, really important to kind of just get as much hands as we can. So whether it's students that are in high school that, you know, have a group of friends that are looking for something fun to do on a Saturday morning. Um, I mean, it is kind of early, but I've, that's the way I've done it. I've recruited a lot of students. We's all, we've also gotten college students that, you know, were looking for credit or uh, things like that. And I think it's, I've, I was actually pleasantly surprised at how many 
young students we've had that were on board and it was really pleasant for for me to work with them because they were willing to kind of just do anything and you would send them do to do different tasks and they were just great. So just anybody is really welcome to um, join us as volunteers for the day of. I think it's really, really important um, to just have those extra hands to just help us make this happen. And for those who've just joined us in our discussion, how can somebody volunteer? So they should register um, on our website. Uh, they can register at www.pancan.org slash NYC um, or at purplestride.org slash NYC. And you would just register um, as a volunteer and you would then receive a link that has different stations that you could select um, for the day of events. And you can, of course, volunteer as, you know, behind the, behind the scenes, kind of helping setting up and then also participate in the walk as well. Um, and we would just love to have as many people on board as possible. Okay. How do you answer people who may view the survival rate with pancreatic cancer skeptically? Well, I mean, our kind of fighting chant is wage hope. Um, there is so much hope in our community and our main mission is to create more hope. And that goes through, you know, just spreading awareness about this, creating more research around this uh, cancer and clinical trials and things of that nature. So this fundraising event is so important and it goes towards all of that. And that is how we want to fight this disease. Um, it is a very discouraging prognosis and when you look at the numbers and figures it is very discouraging but at the same time you know there is so much hope uh, for all the family members you kind of have to have hope that things will change and that is why we do this event every year and why our organization exists and I think our goal as well we had spoken about it last year and every single year we talk about it it's kind of just you know, trying to get to that two-digit percent survival rate, um, just getting to 10 or 11 or 12, because that would mean so much. Just being a one single-digit survival rate is just crushing, and it's it's unacceptable, actually. And, Alice, you said when you started with PanCan, the survival rate was, did you say 5% or When I, I believe back in 2012, it was, it was 6%. Okay, so it's actually gone up. It's gone up three percentage points. <laughs> um, but we we do really need to demand it to go up higher. Our you know our mission is to double the rate, um, and you know this this is why this fundraising is so very important. And that goes also back to something that you mentioned earlier in our discussion of there's not an awful lot of money that's going in terms of government money or something like that? Because a lot of people will think, oh, wait a minute, isn't there government funding for something like this? Yes, of course, there is, but we have to demand more. Pancreatic cancer is one of the least funded cancers, um, and it's the third most devastating, like it's the third most killing cancer that's in the United States, and it's one of the toughest or actually the toughest cancer in the world. So the fact that we're so underfunded is 
it's really unacceptable, and which is why part of PanCan's efforts is uh, advocacy. Um, we go to Capitol Hill every year for Advocacy Day. Um, it's very important to write to your government officials and to demand more action around this. What was, what's that like, this effort of going to Capitol Hill and advocating? So every year, uh, we have Advocacy Day in June. It's June 24th and 25th this year in Capitol Hill, Washington. Um, It is so many of our community members who go meet with government officials. Um, It's a day for us to really advocate for this cancer, raise awareness, and um, to have our government officials and those who represent us fight for more funding. Mm -hmm. And in that case... You know, the skeptical side of me always comes through in a case like this. Is anybody listening? I mean, I personally, coming from also a different country, I think... Now, you've alluded to this before, (laughs) and I I didn't mention this in introducing you. You were actually born and raised in France. Yes, I was born and raised in France, which I'm, um, like, I guess, very proud of at the same time. Um, it just has opened my mind culturally and just, uh, in many, many ways. And I think one of the underlying issues here that, you know, sometimes we tiptoe around and we don't really want to talk about because we all might have different views. It is healthcare. I mean, healthcare is definitely a a very, very difficult issue here in the United States. And I think that's also one of the main reasons why people don't don't go to the doctors and that's why they're not that this disease is not detected early because you know there's this underlying issues with insurances and things like that and so people just don't go um to the doctors i think that's the main Mm. so when we look to the future you know alice you used and you've said it a couple different times use that word hope Realistically, are you hopeful yes, that we're, that we're going to tur- turn the corner on this? There's no choice but to be hopeful. It's Our mission is to wage hope. Um, unfortunately for Juliana and I, you know, it. we lost both our fathers. Um, I know I have so many friends as well uh, that have lost their family members as well and who have been personally touched by this. This is an issue that's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. It's, if anything, you know, all we can do is to wage hope that there there will be advances, that we will increase the survival rate, that we spread awareness, that, you know, survivors and caregivers have that hope. It's so necessary to have hope in order to deal with this. There's no other option. And being a caregiver for somebody who's diagnosed, what is that in real world terms? What's that like? Um, I think the first word that comes to mind is... is because it's something you can say on the air. It's okay. tough. Right. <laughs> it's tough. It is. It's not easy. It's um, a lot of mixed emotions because you now have to kind of take charge and you have to become the one that kind of calls the shots. But at the same time, there's kind of this duality because you, 
you feel sad and you have your feelings, but those feelings don't count right now. It's who you're taking care of, whether it's your mother, your father, your, you know, your grandfather, your aunt and uncle, or your brother, their feelings count because they're so afraid and they're so scared. So it's kind of that, those mixed feelings of kind of being super hands-on and very strong, but then at the same time, you kind of do have all these feelings that do come in and, you know, it's a lot of work. It's, it's, it's very hard. And I know I was so grateful to have all these nurses and all these doctors kind of just helping me and walking me through all the steps and all the paperwork and decisions and things like that. Cause it does get overwhelming and it's really tough. Now, let me ask you a tough question for both of you, because this always comes up in discussions we do. Is there a time where you say to yourself, why my family? In this case, why my dad? Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I mean, I ask my, I just asked myself this question this morning. I mean, for me, it's still quite fairly recent, although it's only been a year and a half, but I feel you kind of never get over a tragedy like this, uh, especially when it's so brutal and fatal and it happens very quickly. Um, and yeah, I ask myself, every day like why my family and I think it's also kind of just being strong about it and saying like you know it's 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 going to be okay there's a reason I think there was a reason why my dad didn't have lung cancer or another cancer he had pancreatic cancer and it's because now I'm volunteering and now I'm kind of bringing this to another level and I want to raise awareness I mean I spread my story whether I'm at PanCan or at work or with my friends, or even back in France, or anywhere. I just try to share my story with everybody, whether it's just a few details or just, you know, telling them that my dad passed away, I think is really important. Um, I mean, it is such a tough question. Um, mm. But at the same time, you're when you're kind of thrown in this scenario, it's not really something... I ask. It's kind of a question that has no answer. Um, at the same time, no one is ever promised tomorrow. So it's something I think that has really brought my family a lot closer together. Um, it's such a devastating thing. But at the same time, I think there's so much good that has come from it. Um, I miss my dad every single day. And I think honoring him in this way and keeping his legacy alive by doing this work uh, is something he would be so proud of. So, you know, that question is always going to be asked. I mean, you know, it's the first thing that you think when you hear the news. But at the same time, it is something that, like I say, again, hope is what stems from it and grows from it. Our community has is such a beautiful and amazing community and I have I can't stress enough that there still is hope. There's prognoses that are not good, but at the same time, we have so many survivors who have been able to catch it early and who have survived. Um, we have so many strong community members and members of PanCan who will also be at Purple Stride who have survived and not just one diagnosis, but two or three diagnoses of pancreatic cancer and are still fighting it. And this is why we do it. Really? We, Hang on for a second. I almost fell off my chair. Yes. They, they've been diagnosed two or three times? So, you know, there is a possibility of recurrence. Yeah. So people who are diagnosed early will fight it, and they will 
you know, they're so strong, they'll fight it and they'll be cancer free or in remission and they will be re-diagnosed. I mean, it's a very unfortunate and scary thing, but that is part of our message is there's still hope. You know, you can survive. And even if you are diagnosed again, you can survive. And that's what we are trying to spread awareness about just to increase those numbers. And I think just a quick example is just recently, I think right before Alice came on board in December, we lost one of our team members um, who was a survivor. And I know that that I was I was kind of shocked. We're talking with our guest from PANCAN, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Alice Chung is affiliate chair of the New York City affiliate Juliana Bianchini is media chair of the New York City affiliate, and um, they've joined us this first hour of our program. And we'll be talking about the uh, topic of pancreatic cancer in the second hour of our show, too, today. For those who've just joined us before we wrap up this hour, let's go through some of the information about Purple Stride New York. Yes, so this is our largest event of the year. Um, We are hosting it at Prospect Park uh, this coming Saturday on April 13th. We start at 9.15 a.m. with opening ceremonies, and the walk will begin at 10 a.m. This year, we are presented by Northwell Health Cancer Institute Pancreas Disease Center, and uh, you can register online at purplestride.org slash NYC, and we would love to have you. Uh, You can get 10% off of your online registration by using the discount code PSRADIO. Let's hope for a very successful event. Repeat the websites again. So the website is www.purplestride.org slash NYC. Thank you both for uh, joining us on our program this first hour, this Sunday morning. And again, we do hope for a very successful event uh, next weekend. Thank you Thank so you much. so much for having us. More to come on our program this Sunday morning. is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.